This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for many iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, what I can tell you is Laura Trions is an executive coach who specializes in behavioral understanding to enhance company culture maximize executive talent, and boost employee engagement. She combines psychology with experiential coaching methods to help individuals and teams break through limiting beliefs to increase productivity and profit. Laura has the equivalency of a master certified coach, having worked as a coach for Tony Robbins and in her own consultancy practice. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Laura, how are you, my friend? I am so great, Lisa. How are you today? I'm doing exceptionally well, thank you. So I just want to say thank you very much. This has been in the works for quite some time, and I know you're a very off-the-hook, in-demand woman. And uh, so the fact that you've made some time uh, and set some time aside for myself and my global listeners and the podcast subscribers, I can't thank you enough for that. I am so grateful to be here. I am a listener of yours, have been listening to your podcast. Um, as you mentioned, that has been in works for a while, so I'm so excited to be here today. Wonderful. Well, let's talk about the inception of your journey, because, of course, there's many things in people's backstories that would catapult them into what people would glean for what it is that they do today or what their level of expertise is or what it is that they, in fact, excel at. So how is it that you came to know that this was your purpose, your strong suit? And um, and how did you wind up with Tony Robbins? I, I'm sure the listeners are love, would love to hear about that specifically as well. Well, you know, um, working for Tony was a big part of my transition into coaching. What's interesting about my background is um, I never studied psychology. I never studied anything related to um, (laughs) self-help or development, but I read about it like from when I was in middle school, like I was always reading self-help books. And, um, and so it was something that always interested me and people would always come to me with like their problems. I mean, people, strangers would tell me things that I would be shocked. I'm like, I can't believe that person just told me that about themselves. (laughs) Um, And so, and so 
as I developed in my career, um, how it really transpired is I was in real estate and I was with a franchise that used a behavioral assessment to help guide people to the part of real estate that was best suited for them. And what I found was that I, I was on this leadership council and my broker would say, like, I don't understand. These people have these goals and yet they don't do what it takes to reach them. And I said, give me their assessment. Let me look at it. Because although people took the assessment when they came in, it got stuck in a drawer and no one ever looked at it again. And so I started looking at people's assessments and I'm like, wait a second, if their greatest fear is rejection, they're not going for no long term, regardless of how much you teach them to do that. It's just not sustainable. And so people started bringing me their assessments and saying, hey, like, can you look at this? And I started to help realtors build businesses based on who they are. Um, and it just so happened, we, we moved to a different town. They did not have that franchise in my town. And I was um, contacted. I was actually persuaded by lunch once a month, every month for over a year, um, by the number 14 real estate team in the country to join his team as their coach and trainer. And so I said to him, like, hey, listen, I use this assessment and I'd love to use it in your office. I'd love to have you pay for it. He's like, no, I'm not going to pay for it. Um, and you're probably not going to get my agents to pay for it. And I was like, really? Because all I need is a challenge and someone to tell me they don't think I can do something. So by the time I left, 90% of the office had taken the assessment. What had happened during that time was that people started saying to me like, Hey, could you, my husband's looking at changing jobs. Like, could you do this with him? Or, um, my child's having some trouble in school. There's children's assessment. Can you do this with them? And it was then that I realized this is so much bigger than helping realtors, you know, build businesses. This could really help so many people. So I decided if I was going to go into coaching full time, um, because at the same time I did continue to have my real estate license, um, I wanted to be coached by the best. And so I hired a Tony Robbins coach. And it was during my time with my coach that I transitioned out of real estate, um, went into coaching full time. And then he said to me, hey, listen, have you ever thought about being a Robbins coach? And I was like, no, no, I'm going to go on my own. Um, and I did, and I loved it, and I was building a successful business. But at, the more I got into the Robin system, I decided, like, this is where I want to be. I just felt in my heart I was meant to be a part of the organization. So I applied, and it's a really crazy application um, process for them. And I was honored to be chosen. Um, at that time, there was 100 coaches worldwide. Um, now I believe they're, they're closer to 150. But um, so I served um, with the Tony Robbins team for two years. And then I decided I really wanted to be able to pick and choose my clients. You know, when you're with Robbins, it's coach anyone, anywhere at any time, which mm -hmm. is the best coaches training you can get in the world. Um, mm -hmm. But at, you get to a point in your career and I'm like, I really want to be able to pick and choose the type of clients that I want to work with. So um, I left there and I've been on my own for about six years. And I'm, I'm honored that people let me into their businesses and their lives. And I have an opportunity to be part of their amazing journey. I pinch myself every day that I get paid to do the work that I do and work with the people that I get to work with every day. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on all your success. But more importantly, I'm really happy for you that you are exactly where you're meant to be. And by knowing that and recognizing that, and having stepped into that, Laura, you're of immense benefit and offering huge value and impact to the people who have the great fortune of working alongside you. So congratulations. 
Oh, thank you so much. And I, I mean, look at the work that you get to do and all the people you get to serve um, with your show and um, the amazing information that you provide. So um, well, I'm in good company that. here. Well, thank you for that. So you said something that really piqued my interest, and it's actually something that I think that we're quite synergistically aligned with, because once upon a time, many years ago, I was in senior management with social services, crisis management specifically. And so behavioral assessments, whether we were talking about kids, group homes, foster homes, male sexual offenders, whatever the particular demographic was, there was always a behavioral assessment that was accompanied with each individual. And um, so I know how it applied in my level of industry, back then, but I would like to hear from your experience and the application within that. Um, what do you, what have you come to assess as the essential criteria within each person's behavioral assessment that almost guarantees success for that person? Oh, such a great question. And, and this is the question everybody wants to answer to, like, what's the magic bullet? And here's what I will tell you is that there is not any particular behavioral style that is more prone to success than another. It's what are you doing with the behavior that you have? So what happens as we're growing up, we're often taught to like work on our weaknesses and the total opposite is true. Like if you work on what is natural for you, you conserve energy and you get to do a whole lot more, taking up a whole lot less energy. Where if you're working on right? If you're working yes. on things that are not natural for you, you waste a whole lot of energy adapting or compromising to reach an outcome that isn't going to be the best of you. And so what I love so much about this assessment, and I can tell you this is with 100% of the people that I've worked with, is once we start up to align people working with what's natural for them, they are more successful and make more money. Like this is the crazy part of it because it seems so counterintuitive to what we're taught. And yet this is what works. And I've seen it work thousands of times. Um, and so I, again, it's so exciting for me when people start to walk into their own power um, and, and they start to own it. it it's amazing. Fantastic. Well, if you were to list, like, say, for example, top five prerequisite criteria, regardless of people's individual strengths and the fact that they're encouraged to focus specifically on their strengths, what would you say is, you know, a common denominator within that realm for each person who has achieved, ascended, uh, you know, broken the ceiling, uh, superseded their own initial goals and expectations? What would be some of, if not five, maybe one or two, what would be the top criteria in terms of um, what you characteristic traits, let's say, or work ethic? Well, I mean, so so you mentioned it right there. I, I think that is um, level of work ethic. And so if, if I had to describe, I'll keep it to three criteria to make it really simple. Um, number one is being resourceful. Yes. I think uh, it's so easy to get stuck in this mindset that is limited options when we actually have infinite number of options we might not like them all but that doesn't mean they don't exist and so once we start to acknowledge all of the different options we have we then start to see more of what we want which is more options so that idea of being resourceful and looking for options the second one, and this gets talked about all of the time, um, is being growth-minded. And it, it's 
an, it's a willingness to look beyond where you are right now. So that doesn't mean that you have to be someone who reads self-help books and is into self-development, but that you're willing to look beyond where you are right now and see that there's always room for growth. Because, you know, the cliche is we're either growing or we're dying. And it's so very true. So mm-hmm. this idea of um, being growth minded. Um, and then the third thing that I will, you know, I, it's about commitment and it doesn't matter what you're committed to, but a lot of people use that word kind of wishy-washy, right? They're like, Oh, I'm committed to losing weight. And then you go, Oh, how many times have you been committed before? Oh, it's been, you know, five years. Well, then you're not committed (laughs) and it's okay that you're not committed. Just own that. Right. Um, And so really looking at commitment as a must, it's not an option when you're truly committed. Failure is not an option. And so if, if you're going to use the word committed, then be committed or just use a different word. It's totally okay. If you're not own it. So those are the three growth minded, resourceful and committed. Fantastic. And so for the benefit of the listening audience and the podcast subscribers, Laura, I'd be interested to know what does your behavioral assessment say about you? Oh, my gosh, you know, one has asked me this question. This is so good. Um, So if you can't tell, my behavioral assessment indicates I am externally expressive. Um, I am highly driven. Um, I can be strong willed. And um, under pressure, tension, stress, or fatigue, there's one page in the report, and this one I tell my clients, like, I never let anyone go here alone, um, is because <laughs> what it does is it looks at, like, how we perceive ourselves when we're at our best, and then how we were perceived under um, extreme, moderate and extreme pressure, tension, stress, or fatigue. And in those cases, I can be, uh, what are some of the words that describe me? Glib, um, talkative, arrogant. Um, and, and as I say these, like, I really own them. A lot of people will look at this page and say, oh, I don't like that about myself. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If you can appreciate you when you're showing up at, at your, as your best, that you are, um, you're inspiring, you're confident, then anything at its extreme is a detriment. And so this is how the extreme of your behavior shows up. You don't have to like it, but it is what it is. And so people are like, I want to change that. I said, well, listen, you can spend a lot of energy attempting to change it. But when you're under pressure, tension, stress, or fatigue, it is, it's a subconscious thing that comes out. So then I work with people to look at, okay, you can stop it before it happens, which means let's look at some triggers for pressure, tension, stress, or fatigue. And or you can just own that you do it, especially with the people that you're working most closely with. And so I, my family, let's talk about my family, um, know that this is sometimes how I show up. And so we have a pattern interrupt for when I'm behaving this way. I often use my husband and I as the example because when we're arguing, we can go around in circles because obviously we're not at our best. Mm-hmm. And the statement that we use as a pattern interrupt is, this conversation is no longer productive. It is not an insult. It is not shutting anyone down. It's what we decided in advance was our stop point for a conversation that isn't creating progress. And so we do that, we step away, and then we're able to come back at a different time and have a more meaningful conversation. So those are some of my behavioral characteristics. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us because that's not, you know, a lot of people wouldn't want to go there, but thank you for being vulnerable and thank you for being raw and candid and and just being truthful. So thank you. 
So again, because my brand is all about living fearlessly, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the obvious question, at least obvious to me, Laura, is in your ratio of working with clients, even if it's like initially at the inception of a a consult and you're trying to assess either through a behavioral assessment, trying to get a a pulse and a sense on who they are. So as no knowing how to lay the foundation and, and, and what the trajectory is. Would you say at least at the beginning of these clients' journey, is it more that they're, whether it be consciously or subconsciously, do you think it's more a fear of failure or a fear of success that's in their way? Uh, So interesting question. You know, um, I think in work, when people come to me, by the time that they get to me, they're ready to take action. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think at that point, it's more, I find it's more of people being tired of feeling stuck um, Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to get out of their own way. And so um, sometimes once we're down the path, you could recognize patterns of self-sabotage and that could be either fear of failure or fear of success. But I I think when people start with me, they're just, just tired of being stuck. And, you know, where I'm blessed in my business is that my business is built word of mouth. And so people come to me because someone has said, Hey, listen, like, Oh, you're having that challenge. You should maybe call Laura. And um, it's, again, it's an honor that this is when people come to me and I help them again, open up those options and start, have them start to look at what they want um, Mm -hmm. more clearly. That's another key challenge for people. In most cases, we know exactly what we don't want. um, And we don't realize in clarifying that without flipping it to what we do want, we get more of what we don't want. Mm -hmm. And so I help people get clarity about what they actually want. And from there, um, people can start to find different paths to, to make progress. Fantastic. Fantastic. And so if you could kindly for the listening audience, myself and the podcast subscribers, Laura, I, I'm sure you've seen all kinds of uh, really transformational, profound shifts occur within your clients. But if there's one particular testimonial, one story, one transformation that really uh, speaks to you that you think would be of benefit to the listening audience. And of course that would be beneficial for anybody who after hearing this interview might want to reach out to you for whatever it is they're aspiring to do. Um, is there something that comes to mind that sticks out with a particular client and a success story? Um, so I have two stories and I, I like them both because they're, they're so different from each other. And so mm-hmm. because there's two, I'll make them brief, but um, I worked, I worked with a woman who had been in an insurance agency, a small insurance agency for 27 years. Um, and she had um, really kind of, it just felt like she was stuck. She didn't know where she wanted to go next. So when she contacted me, um, she was looking to decide where in the insurance industry she wanted, what she wanted to do next. Well, Within 18 months of working together, she had discovered that she not only did she need to grow in her current position, um, she was working way too many hours. She had not had a raise in many years, not because he wasn't willing to give it to her, but because she never asked for one. And it was a small office. And so we got to the point where she got a raise. She also decided she wanted to transition from her current job into coaching full time. Um, Mm. People had come to her her entire life and she had gone through a divorce 
and she really wanted to help women find um, their, their next path in life after divorce. And this was an area that she was really passionate about. And so within 18 months, it started off and it was building up her confidence and getting her comfortable with leaving what she'd known for so many years. And so over time, it started off with first getting the raise. Then she asked to work less hours. Um, from there, she transitioned into her own coaching career. And th- that is what she's doing full time to this day. Um, and she's just a beautiful, amazing soul. So like that total shift in career path um, blows my mind. And again, to be on that journey with people. The other one is also a career shift. I um, met a woman who uh, was working in retail and just the the energy in the retail industry was sucking the wind out of her. And she worked for kind of a toxic company, unfortunately. And she had this dream of building this feng shui business, but she has a little baby. She has these future financial plans. And so she said, I'm not ready to build that business full time, but I want some help in trying to start it so that I have something to work toward. So we started to build that business. And what it was clear to me was that she couldn't build a new business with great energy while she was still working in this toxic place. And so she had looked at different career options and nothing had panned out. Um, And so we got really crystal clear on the characteristics of the her ideal job Um, and so she had 17 of them typically when I'm helping someone in a job transition we narrow it down to five these are your make or breaks well within three months she got her dream job working for a company whose product she used every day and she got all 17 of the things on her list actually as I tell the story I I get goosebumps because I have to tell people like, okay, wait, all 17 isn't typical. We usually get four out of the five, but she got all 17 and she is living her ideal life right now because that job actually one of the criteria was with less hours than the one she was in. So she could build this feng shui business and she is simultaneously building um, her feng shui business. And so um, again, to be a part of uh, these happen to be two women, but I work with lots of men like to be a part of that and having people living their ideal experience. Oh my gosh. It it is incredible. It invigorates me. Incredible. Well, good job. Kudos to you, you know, and I know that fundamentally it has to come from the willingness, the initiative and the hunger from within each of your clients. But a lot of people have what it takes without them necessarily knowing they just need to be partnered up with the right person in which to bring it out unearth it, birth it. So good on you. I mean, that's that's a lot about you, Laura. So congratulations to all of you. Thank you so much. I love the way you describe that, right? It is absolutely about partnering with the right person to help pull out um, what is already in you. I mean, that is just such ideal language. And and really, that's what I feel like I help my clients do. Super. Well, let me ask you this, as objective as you can be about your own success. Um, so, I mean, you're you're obviously very successful. You're obviously very results-oriented. You like growth. You like momentum. You like traction, not only for yourself and what it is that you aspire to do, but you also equally bring that and infuse that into your clients with whatever they're endeavoring to do. Um, how have you been able to recognize within yourself, Laura, even though you're already successful, even though you're already skilled, you're already talented, you're already massively connected and resourced 
what has been the eye opener for you or the sense of awareness or enlightenment within yourself that you've ascended, you've leveled up from the beginning and the inception of this coaching journey to where you currently are in the trajectory of your life? Oh, so this is such, I, I love your questions, Lisa. This is such a great question. That's why, um, I, that's why I don't do Q&A because I never know where this is going. I absolutely love organic conversation. Oh, and you're so good at it. Okay, so thank you. Um, so I, you know, I think for me, so before I mentioned that, you know, in my career, I started off in real estate, and you know, I, I'm comfortable talking to people. I can always present. So people would have me present real estate material all of the time, and I could teach it, and I loved it. It was so exciting for me. But what it, the big shift that happened for me when I left real estate and went into coaching full time, is I was no longer willing to coach or teach what I wasn't doing myself. And so that was really important to me. Like I live what I coach, and I often mm. talk about you know creating this idea ideal experience. And you know, last year was a tough year for a lot of people. And I realized even given this blessed existence that I live, I wasn't living my ideal experience, given the ecology of the world, right? Like I can still create an ideal experience with what's going on. And so I came up with systems to help me work through that. Um, everything from taking a Yale class on happiness to um, I, I started, I do one experience for myself every single day to this day. Um, I call it my 365 experiences. I make sure I do one thing every day that's just for me, about me, fills me up. Some days that's going, I, I walked by an old bookstore for an entire summer and I said, you know what, today I'm going to go into that bookstore. It could be something as simple as that. It mm -hmm. could be on Thursdays, I have a standing breakfast with a friend um, that in my old world, I wouldn't make time for. Oh, that's work hours. Like it's a Thursday. This is my, this is the day when I go out to offices and I present, you know what, this is important time. And so mm -hmm. I do that. So it's coming up with that experience and living what I coach. So if I'm telling you something um, through the coaching experience, it's because I do it too. And I'm learning with you. I am not there as a teacher. Like I have all the answers. I don't have the answers for you. I can give you samples of stuff that I try on, but I want mm -hmm. you to try in something that's going to fit for you. So I think that was the big shift is the big aha is like, I don't have to have the answers. And by the way, I'm not, not going to have the exact answer for you. My job is to show by example, here's a way you can live. I'm telling you it works because I live it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you questions to help you find your way. Beautiful. Love that. Thank you for sharing that, Laura. So I know love. you absolutely love what it is that you're doing. And I know that you're completely busy and off the hook. But being somebody who is goal-oriented, for somebody who's always looking to embark upon new things, is there anything that's on the horizon or something that you're kind of tinkering with the idea of, you know, if I had a little more time or if I choose to carve out more time, this is what I want to embark upon that doesn't exist in my day-to-day -day reality. Is there something new on the horizon that's coming for you, Laura? So, you know, being that I believe in being growth minded, there's always something new. And, you know, to your point is, am I carving out the time right now? I know one of the things that I'm so passionate about is helping 
kids, especially between middle school and high school, using this assessment. You know, I'll, there was a long time where it was like anti-bullying. And that language was so interesting to me because why would we be focusing on what we don't want when what we really want is is more confident children. And so in using the assessment with the kids, and I'll say comparatively speaking, I work with much less less kids than I do adults, um, having kids look at themselves on paper and go like, oh, I know that oh, here's the language for me to explain it. Explain it to my parents. Explain it to my friends. Um, and have me be okay with who I am. It makes such a difference for kids. And they gain confidence in knowing, oh, how I behave isn't weird. No, this is perfect. And here's some of the, here's some understanding as to why other kids may behave differently than you. You don't have to be like them. You get to be just like you. Um, so if there's anything on the horizon, it's to work with more parents and children. I do have a parenting book that has been in process for a really long time. I made great strides this year. I'm like, I'm getting it done. And today, actually, one of my um, journaling notes, it, I have this journal that asks me questions. It's what is the bold thing you're going to do today? And Lisa, I'm going to do it on your show right now. Are you ready? To yes. Thank you. Yes, okay. I am. <laughs> I I have been working on this parenting book. I'm actually nervous saying this out loud. And I'm going to tell you right now that I am going to have it done by the end of June. And so I'm telling you that and all of your listeners, so you can call me on it. This is my bold thing that I'm going to do today. I just decided right now. Um, Because I, I think that when I look at how can the work that I do really serve people on a higher level. It's helping people when their kids gain their confidence so that they can carry that with them through adulthood. Well, fantastic. And thank you for uh, the breaking news update on my show. I really appreciate (laughs) that. And you know what, to hold you accountable, because as a coach myself, you know, I believe in that it's not just about the lip service of I'm going to hold you accountable, because you said and invited me to hold you accountable, I actually am going to follow up with that. So I'm going to invite you back to come on to my show around the timeline that you've now indicated that you're hoping to have that completed. And we're going to talk about it. I love that. You are awesome. Fantastic. Okay. Yay. <laughs> okay. So that's a date and this is like 8 million <laughs> listeners here. So there's, you can't shirk your responsibility on this, Laura. <laughs> I am getting it done. Okay. I love it. I'm so glad I did this. <laughs> yes, I am too. I'm, I'm really happy for you. I'm happy for me. I'm happy for everybody who's going to benefit from that book. So Let me ask you then this question, going back to behavioral assessment. So if you were to do a behavioral assessment on the current level of collective consciousness in 2021, again, taking into account the year that we've had and all the highs and lows, ebbs and flows, ups and downs, things that we've seen played out on the stage, the world stage, whether it be, you know, me too, whether it be racism, whether it be uh, police, whether it be the political culture. So what, what would be your synopsis if you were to do a behavioral assessment on the current level of collective consciousness today? Wow. Um, so, uh, you know, I think you can hear me kind of puckering as I think here. Um, (laughs) so, uh, so what I've observed and, and let me know if this doesn't answer the question directly, but so what I have believe I've observed, right? And this is just my impression. So it's really a hallucination, you know, based on my 
my biases. But what I've observed is a lot of people, so based on the assessment, the majority of people lead with steadiness. And when you have steadiness, you are more internal. Um, you're really conscious about um, how your decisions impact other people. And there's this really beautiful loyalty. Um, and there's a desire to know what's going to happen. And so what I observed during the pandemic and the Me Too's and, and um, Black Lives Matter and all this is you saw that this sense of steadiness um, they, I, it's like they found each other and found comfort in each other um, online and raised their voices, right? Mm -hmm. And so people who are more internal and not as externally um, expressive found a voice um, online in these bigger groups, um, found people that they could connect with. And there's such beauty in that connection. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that, you know, I, I take what I know about the assessment, which is the majority of the population has the steadiness. And that's kind of what I observed. The, the, the challenge with that is for people with steadiness, um, once they find comfort in their group, they, they aren't asking questions. They're not questioning the status quo. There's just this comfort. And so I think that it, it can, there's, um, and there's a fear of change. And so that, wanting to keep steadiness can also prevent growth. Um, and, and I think finding a, a balance is great. It's just making sure that steadiness, it doesn't come from um, hibernating in our homes and staying home in an effort to stay safe, because as humans, we do need that face-to-face -face human interaction. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so would it be your opinion, Laura, would you say based on current times, current culture, um, is it your belief or your mindset? Do you think that people are increasingly awakening and transforming for the better? Or do you think people are still, you know, dark night of the soul, asleep at the switch? Like, where do you think people are at, generally speaking? So I think, you know, it would be so much easier if we could say it was one or the other. I, I think that we live in this nuance, which is all the stuff in between. And the yes. challenge is we tend to want to categorize. It's the way our brain works. Like I, I love neuroscience. I read a lot about it. I don't mm -hmm. study it, but I, I love understanding how the brain works. And, you know, our brain is constantly making connections. It doesn't mean they're correct. It True. means that it was the closest thing to what we saw or it was the most prevalent thing. And so we can um, tend to want to make a connection that's not there, where I really want to have us as, as a community of people start to explore all the possibilities in between so that it is no longer one or the other, that mm -hmm. people aren't, you know, falling asleep at the wheel or, um, you know, the other extreme of that, like that it has to be protests and anger and that, you know, that we can create a conversation conversation in the in-between. Absolutely. And I think for myself, and it's something that I continue to dissect and, and question within myself, I think there's very few things that I put into a black and white us and them mm -hmm. category. Uh, I'm really very much in the middle. I'm very much, I, I coexist within the gray. However, when I look at um, the polarity of fear and love, that's, I guess that's more encapsulated in the t in the question that I was trying to get across in terms of you know evaluating either our, our progress 
or to what degree we may be as a collective, we've regressed, digressed when it comes to fear versus love. Uh, and so, so I love you bringing up this idea of fear because I think for many people, it does seem like it is fear versus love, but fear is not the opposite of love. You can be fearful and love greatly. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and, and with love, you can actually help disseminate some of the fear. I think the challenge is that we, um, as a collective, um, our fear is false evidence appearing real, right? So we use mm -hmm. our imagination and it's so easy to make things worse. And this is an exercise that I actually do with my, my clients is because for some people, especially those people who lead with steadiness, they are naturally fearful and it's okay. But what I'm suggesting is if it's your imagination that makes that creates the fear, you can also use your imagination to create the opposite, something Beautiful. great. And so, and so I want people to look at, here's what I'm afraid of. This is naturally what I think about. Don't reject that. Embrace it. And then I'm going to force myself to go the other way. What would be the best outcome here? And mm -hmm. I feel like we're forgetting about the best possible outcome and working toward that. And so even just in practicing this exercise and having people look at, okay, I am afraid. That's totally understandable. What's the best possible outcome? What could you do? What's one tiny step today you could do to work toward a better outcome than the fear that you're embracing right now. Um, and that's going to allow us to stay resourceful, right? One of the key characteristics I talked about, you know, a few minutes ago. Beautiful. Well, I really like how you broke that down. Thank you for that. And what does living fearlessly mean to you personally, Laura? Oh, gosh. Um, living fearlessly to me is staying true to yourself. Um, yes. Um, I, I have this statement I use with my kids to own your truth. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to create an environment in our home where they get to own their truth, even if it's different from my truth. And so I'll often say, own your truth. And the, the, the greatest gift is when they say it back to me, like, hey, mom, like, don't forget, own your truth. And that ability to surround yourself with people that allow you to own your truth and love and support you. I think having more of that, that we um, live fearlessly in that we're able to own our truth and know we will be loved and supported with, by the people around us. Amazing. Beautiful. And I'd like to give you the opportunity, Laura, being cognizant of time, and I'll, I'll do this again when we close out the show, but where is it that the listeners, uh, the podcast subscribers, anybody who wants to connect with you, um, you know, set up a time in which to do an initial consultation, how do people best reach out to you? Well, so the best way to reach me right now is um, I, I created this website. I mentioned living my ideal experience. And a part of that is this notion of purposeful living. So I created this website and it's per purposeful hyphen life.co. And on this website, there's a little survey that you can take to see if you are living a purposeful life. And on there is information to contact me on social media, um, as well as an opportunity to um, schedule time with me for for one on one coaching. But it just gives you a sense as to how are you currently living your life. And there's some coaching tips in there as well as you take the survey. So that is the best place to reach me. Amazing. 
So for the benefit, again, of the listening audience and the podcast subscribers, and I mean, you've unpacked a lot in a finite period of time, all of which is like really equally beneficial, advantageous and, uh, you know, offers a lot of value, which I appreciate even for myself personally, because I'm a student of life. I'm always looking to retain information and sponge things up, even if it's presented with nuance or a different perspective or as a result of what my guest has offered in the way of storytelling or example setting. So for everything that you've graciously imparted here with all of us here today, uh, Laura, if there was one thing and maybe something outside of what hasn't already been currently mentioned, presently mentioned, but if there was one takeaway that you would like to reiterate or present to the listening audience, what would that be that you think is of, of paramount import, importance that could offer uh, instrumental growth, transformation, aha, epiphany type moment for the listeners? Another awesome question. Uh, so I'll, I'll share with you what I share with um, my clients on a regular basis. And when I say regular basis, my clients hear me repeat this often. So our brain has two jobs to answer our questions and prove us right. And we really want to be careful about what we're saying to ourselves because we internalize a far greater number of words than we say externally. And so mm. with that, I tend to help clients focus on the questions that they ask themselves. And um, I do it in, in, a, in a pyramid uh, because it's the easiest way to kind of break it down. So if you look at a, a pyramid and you divide it into four sections and um, you have the question, why at the bottom, right? In the bottom mm -hmm. section, you have the question, how in the second section, you have the question, what in the third section, and at the very tippity top of the pyramid, you have the question, who? Mm -hmm. So, People live in different areas based on the questions that they ask themselves. And so the people who are asking themselves why, they tend to be surviving, right? Why am I here? Why does this happen to me? You know, they're kind of stuck. They're barely making it. Um, the people who ask themselves who, um, the, sorry, the people who ask themselves how, they're, um, th they're also in that surviving stage, right? How did I get here? How did this happen to me? Well, remember, if your brain has two jobs to answer your questions and prove you right, those questions have your brain going backward into its database to look for an answer, which is why you stay in that surviving stage, right? Because I'm going to show you why. You didn't get the job because you're not educated enough. You didn't have the right upbringing. You didn't have the same opportunities. Your brain will answer your questions. When you look at the people who are asking themselves who and who are asking themselves what, they're thriving because it forces their brain outside to look for a new answer. What do I do from here? What has to happen to get a new job? What has to happen to get a new raise? Who can I call? Who can I help? Who can help me? And so recognizing what questions we're asking ourselves and just being aware because behaviorally the why and how questions are more natural for some people. It's okay to ask them, just don't stay there mm -hmm. to move on and make progress. It's so important to ask ourselves what and who. Okay. That's the information well, that I would share. Fantastic. Well, let me let me just dissect something that you said there. Um, so if we if we tackle the how I like to play devil's advocate to things would perhaps one of the exceptions to your how rule be 
the question that one asks, how can we solve this problem together? How can we uh, gain solution? How can we conflict resolution, things of that nature? Because I think that's still an important question that one can ask within themselves. People might be going, okay, well, if you put it like you're posing that question outwardly to an external third party, you're asking that question within yourself. Well, if we're working with our conscious subconscious minds, if we're working with our inner child, you know, who's wondrous and curious, but we're competing with the adult who perhaps is pessimistic, jaded, whatever. I still think there's two entities that exist within each of us. So I think even in, in, in the arena of self-dialogue, I think it's still constructive, proactive, and progressive to say, how can we solve this problem together? Well, and so um, using it in that way does put a spin on how when we think about it being used most often internally, mm-hmm. that that language doesn't always come up. The other thing with how versus what, because in how in the way that you phrase that, how actually sounds very similar to the what question, like what has to happen for us mm-hmm. to work together? What? True. Um, so they, they are very similar. The thing about how and when we think about it neurologically, often the answer will be, well, I don't know. So if you switch that to what, what can we do? What is the next step? What it allows you to chunk it down to help the person look at something that's closer and more specific. When we say how it can seem very big and broad and a little bit too much to tackle. So with with that, I think, I think there's no right or wrong answer there. It's use how, if that doesn't help you get to some specifics, switch it up, use what, mm-hmm. right? So in the way that you've used it, absolutely, it could be something that helps move forward. The way we tend to use it in our own mind, you know, how did this happen? How did I get here? Um, so it just depends on how you use it, absolutely. Well, as a fellow entrepreneur, I spend an exorbitant amount of time on my own and I'm forever talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that one. Right. So yeah, yeah, student, teacher, whatever. It's it's the back and forth dialogue. But yes, you you said, and I I talk about this, and I impress upon this too with people whenever I can, wherever I can. Is self dialogue is so important because you know regardless of how strong. Uh, one might believe that their infrastructure of supports might be, you're still ultimately with yourself 24-7 in your head. So when you take away the cheerleading team, when you take away the mentor, you take away the coach, and you're left to your own devices to navigate yourself or to problem solve, how is it then that you're dialoguing with yourself in such a way that you can achieve ultimate success, or you can achieve conflict resolution, or you can achieve growth? So um, I, I really like that you hit that point home here because that's actually one of my favorite subject matters. Well, and, you know, to your point about self-dialogue and, and the people that you're around and, and that support you, you know, it's amazing um, when we look at our self-dialogue, the people around us will often reflect that. And so if yourself, if you don't love yourself, it's hard to know how other people will love you. And so it really does start with the self, right? And so um, I think that when it's easy to look outside of us and say, oh, if only they would, if only they would. And then I'll ask you, are you for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Are you giving yourself permission? Are you loving yourself? What are you doing to fill yourself up? This is a question that I tend to ask when I'm speaking to women's groups. You know, we, 
we give and we give and we deplete ourselves, how are you filling yourself up, right? There's a great how question that I'm using in a different way, right? So Mm -hmm. what are you doing to fill yourself up? Because if you're constantly giving and you're depleting, you are not able to overflow to the people around you. And so I schedule time to fill myself up so that I can overflow to those around me. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, okay, let's, so let's quickly talk about this. I mean, yes, you're highly evolved. Yes, you have a lot of tools in your toolbox. Yes, you have a lot of working knowledge of how to operate as your best self to be in flow and, and to, to make yourself proud and to self love and all of those things. But you're also a human being. So mm-hmm. on a day on a day where you might be struggling, let's just say something happens and it completely shifts your energy or it completely puts you into a, a different place that you would normally characteristically be operating out of. What is it that you do and how quickly can you transition yourself back into that space to ideally operate within the realm of how you would want to operate and feel what you would want to feel intrinsically? So Lisa, this is another really great question because to your point, like I am human and I am kind to myself in understanding that. And so I'm not always showing up as my best self. I'm, I'm just human. So mm-hmm. um, w- one of the things that I have learned over time is to really allow how I'm feeling in the moment and I'm not judging it. And just because I'm a coach, I'm not trying to move past my sadness faster. I'm not trying to move past my frustration faster. I'm really allowing it in the moment when I think that it could get to a place that it doesn't serve me. Cause I just want to feel like I'm a human. I meant to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I allow that feeling and then I'll set a deadline because if I find I'm wallowing it, which means if I am in it and it is more than an hour for me because of my behavioral style, I know that's not natural. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to set a deadline. And I'm literally, this is my self-talk. Okay, how long do you want to feel this way? Because anything, I mean, the way that the body processes feelings, and I forget the exact number, but it's like anything after 90 seconds, the feeling leaves us physically. So anything after that, we're holding on to ourselves and it's our decision. And so I have to own that decision to hold on to it. And sometimes I need to just vent. Sometimes I just need to cry. Sometimes I just need to be mad. Then I have to decide how long am I going to hold on to it? And so I set a mental timer. I no longer have to set a physical timer. I mean, I used to set a physical timer to to be my pattern interrupt, like, okay, you're done. Um, Mm -hmm. And then for me, I know doing an activity is something that will help help me move on mentally. So sometimes right now I'm very much into hiking. Um, Sometimes it's something outside. Sometimes I found during COVID, I needed to do something productive for my business. So I had a a big um, bulletin board with goals that I wanted to achieve. And I would go and attack one of those because being productive helped me felt like I was making progress in a time when I felt I did feel stuck, right? So um, I use different methods depending on how I'm feeling. But first and foremost, I'm allowing those human feelings. I, I, we're meant to feel and it's okay. And however you're feeling is perfect. Then you get to decide how long you want to feel that way. Fantastic. 
Well, you know, it's kind of like a full circle moment, particularly when we're in the process of shortly closing out the program, because at the top of the hour, and it's one of my favorite words when we're talking about self-talk or we're talking about boundaries or stipulations or values, core values, you use the word non-negotiable, and I use it all the time. And so based on the answer that you just provided to my question, I think that is so paramount because what you've demonstrated in terms of also being congruently aligned with walking your talk. And you've said that too throughout the show. You know, I I don't work with my clients in a way that I it's not indicative of what I too am holding myself to the standard of, um, which really keeps you in your power and really keeps you authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the fact that you have that level of self-awareness awareness and the fact that you're tapped into when you're characteristically out of alignment with yourself that you non-negotiably stipulate we are not superseding an hour we are not wasting a day on this I'm not losing Mm -hmm. a day I'm not losing all the other joys that I'm gonna you know possibly rob myself of as a result of staying stuck in something that's not serving me intuitively anyway so I love that you did that love love that you said that um so I'd like to give you the opportunity again, Laura, where can the listeners, the podcast subscribers reach out to you? Um, Visit me at purposeful-life.co. There's a survey there to see if you're living life on purpose. There's some um, coaching tips. And then there's access to me through social media, as well as some information on -on one-on-one coaching and some upcoming stuff that I have going on. So definitely visit me there. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to, to share that with your listeners. Amazing. Well, thank you. And I'd like to give you the opportunity again as we're closing out here. Um, do you want to put your accountability piece back here and reiterate it once again to the listening audience about what's upcoming and and what we're going to be showcasing next on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald? I will love that, Lisa. (laughs) At the end of June, I will have my parenting book finished so that I can come back on and talk about it. And you can hear how to use behavioral assessments um, in, in, parenting and it's also different parenting tips and working with kids with different behavior you don't even need an assessment to to be able to utilize the tips but I'm coming back it will be done and uh, I announced it here and I'm grateful for Lisa for giving me the opportunity to share it and to hold me accountable to it fantastic well Laura I can't thank you enough for the gift of your time everything that we talked about here are all my favorite yummy subjects and uh, you you really crystallized and hit the point home on so many things and I know that myself the listening audience and the podcast subscribers were going to drive a lot of benefit and people are going to take notes and people are going to play it back and I have no doubt that people are going to reach out and connect with you uh, knowing that you're truly a powerhouse and you really are a real gem of a human being. So for what you've brought to myself today and, and giving us the gift of your time, I just want to say thank you very much from the center of my heart. I really immensely appreciate you. Oh, Lisa, thank you. I have enjoyed this so much. And um, again, grateful for everything that you share and grateful for the opportunity to come back. So thank you. Well, fantastic. And I'm looking forward to that. To the listening audience, I want to thank you as well for the gift of your time for tuning in to myself and my phenomenal guest of today, Laura Trions. And she will be, as she mentioned, and as I've invited her, she's going to be coming back to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald with future updates about what's going on in her life at that particular juncture. And uh, I'm exceptionally clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next Friday, when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest here on Living Fearlessly 
with Lisa McDonald. I want to wish you my very best. Stay safe, healthy, and uplifted. Thanks again. Love and gratitude to you all as well as to you, Laura. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.